Welcome to the Campbell Conversations. I'm Grant Reher. Governor Hochul recently delivered her State of the State speech and then subsequently presented her budget. Now the legislature will consider that budget. As we've done in past years, we're going to hear some reactions from both sides of the aisle in the state legislature. But today we're doing it a bit differently in that we'll hear first from one representative and then the other. And this was done just for scheduling reasons. My guest for the first half of the program is State Senator Rachel May. Senator May, a Democrat, represents the 48th Senate District and is the chair of the Senate Committee on Small and Medium Cities. She's been on the program many times before. Senator May, welcome back, and it's good to see you again. Thank you, Grant. Always glad to be here. Great. Well, let me just start with the uh, state of the state. The governor seemed in this speech to pull in her wings a little bit in terms of uh, larger proposed initiatives concerning affordable housing, for instance. Uh, was that your sense, too, in listening to it? And, and, and what is your view of that? Yeah, I felt she, like she tried to put on an optimistic face, but generally she was pretty small bore in the in the state of the state. I think that was true. She she did lean into the uh, AI issue and and some other things that I think are important. But uh, in general, yeah, it was. I was sad. I have been sad in general because I'm working very hard on housing. We hear every day from people who are struggling to find affordable housing in our district. And uh, I hope she will be a partner in that as we move forward. Mm. And and also, it seemed to my ear that she tacked a bit right on uh, crime and criminal justice. And that's been a big issue in the state recent years. Uh, was there anything there that you had concerns about or that you liked hearing from her in that regard? Well, I think that was true in her campaign as well. I think she has been um, seeing herself as as presenting kind of a opposition to the legislature on criminal justice, even though I don't think, uh, in fact, the, the analysis of what we have done is is really true. But uh, yeah, she did some of that as well. I, I, I guess I'd agree with that. And and so you mentioned uh, hearing some of those rhetoric in the campaign. Uh, do, do you think what we saw then in the state of the state and and we'll get into the budget a bit, but, uh, you know, on, on housing, criminal justice, was this kind of a reaction to the relatively close shave she got uh, in her election campaign, do you think? That could be. That could be. I have been a little saddened. We've been, I think, pretty good uh, allies of the governor, certainly in the campaign, but also uh, in in a lot of our legislation. But she kind of came out swinging at the legislature a little bit, which is, I think, strategically a mistake. We need to work together, and I hope we will work together. I, I certainly want to work together with the governor on a lot of initiatives that I think could really help central New York. Well, I guess in that sense, thinking back a couple decades and maybe even more, it seems like beating up on the legislature is kind of uh, standard thing that governors in New York State do, right? Yeah, I guess I had hoped with Hochul that she was a little more, uh, I mean, she has been collaborative with the legislature on a number of things, but yes. I wish rhetorically she was a little bit more willing to own that because we can do so much if we work together. Hmm. 
So let's let's think about the budget, which is where obviously the big ideas and whatever ideas are being put out there have to manifest themselves uh, in terms of money. She she said in her budget address that the state can't keep spending like there's no tomorrow. Uh, I think that was her words. And uh, nonetheless, the budget that she proposed does set a new record, I believe. Uh, are we in this budget, do you think, seeing some effort on her part to turn a ship or make a course correction, or are we slowing the acceleration? What's the right metaphor for seeing the big picture here? Well, I think the big picture actually is that all year long, we have been hearing that this budget was going to involve major cuts, that we were going to have an $8 billion deficit and then a $4 billion deficit. And all of a sudden, there is no deficit when when push comes to shove in this budget, which is a good thing because we don't want to have to be cutting back some of the things that we have worked so hard to put in place. Mm. So um, honestly, it's I think, yes, there will be some slowing down because we're not getting the kind of funding that we were getting from the federal government as pandemic relief in particular. Mm -hmm. But in general, this budget is uh, essentially holding the line. There are a few things where I know that we will be fighting as a legislature to um, restore some things that she has cut. For my part, the clean water infrastructure uh, cut in half I mean, it it has been um, it has been generous in the past, and I and I don't think anybody thought that would go on forever. But from five hundred million dollars down to two hundred fifty million dollars, when every single municipality I talk to has issues with their with their water and sewer infrastructure, and it, this is expensive. And the more we have uh, global warming and uh, flooding and a lot of the pressures that municipalities are seeing on their water systems, we can't retrench, I don't think, in that area. So that's one, for example, where I think uh, we're going to be fighting. Do you expect problems with the education funding? Because that, I understand, was something that was at least cut back a lot from the previous couple budgets. So it's not an absolute cut. It's a, a my understanding, and I haven't had time to really look through the, the details of it, is um, trying to shift the way foundation aid is funded for, for a very long time. There was a hold harmless provision in foundation aid where school districts that were already overfunded still got increases year after year because I think it was the politically expedient thing to do. But it wasn't the right thing to do because there were other districts that were severely underfunded and the funding should have gone to those districts. And, you know, there are some Long Island districts that are very wealthy, some of the wealthiest in the country, and we're continuing to get large increases under foundation aid for a long time. I'm, I don't have a problem with trying to redistribute that. The, the the place where I'm most concerned is with our rural districts, and we do as chair of the Commission on Rural Resources, but also as someone who represents a lot of small rural school districts, many of them are seeing cuts as well, and we've been hearing from them. And, and some of those cuts are because their enrollments are down, 
but their costs aren't down. They still have to have classroom teachers, even if there are fewer kids in the class, they still have to have all the services that they have. And so uh, I think we will be looking hard at how she has rethought foundation aid in some of those situations. Would would that belt tightening, I guess, is a, one way to put it for when in the or or at least, as you say, sort of strategically rethinking how the aid is distributed uh, when you say wealthier school districts, is that going to percolate down to some of the wealthier suburbs of Syracuse, do you think, in terms of changing what they were getting? Yeah. Good. Yeah. But, you know, um, as the chair of the committee on our smaller cities, our, our upstate cities along the Thruway Corridor perennially rate among the cities in the country with the highest child poverty. Syracuse came in number two in the country this year. And the schools that have to deal with very concentrated poverty, that is um, extremely costly. They need a lot of staff who are helping kids who've got learning disabilities, kids who don't speak English, kids who have trauma in their family and neighborhood lives and uh, or who just aren't getting, you know, dental care or vision care, all of those things. And um, uh, the costs are very high. And I think it makes sense to to invest in making sure that kids everywhere can succeed. So, yes, I, I think, you know, I will be pushing to make sure that our that those places where, where poverty has been concentrated to get the kind of investments that they deserve. Mm. We've only got about three minutes left. I want to try to squeeze another question about the budget and then ask you something about the legislative session more generally. Uh, there was another piece of the proposed budget that the media really picked up on, which was the proposal to spend $2.5 billion to house and feed new migrants. Um, here that have that have been uh, uh, that have been arriving here, including 500 million from the state reserve uh, uh, allocation. So, what what are your reactions to that? Well, what are our alternatives? Honestly, I mean, hmm. these are people who have come to New York, who um, you know are going through the asylum process, right? Or you know. Follow the rules so far. They need a place to live. They need to be able to uh, get to the point where they can get a job, make money, support their families. We also need more people in New York State. We, we've been complaining about the decline in our population for a long time. So um, what we find with refugees who come to this region, uh, who have been coming for decades to this region, it takes them a little while to get settled. And then they become entrepreneurs, they become community leaders, they become very hardworking citizens or, or you know, permanent residents, and they uh, contribute a lot to our communities. So I think that upfront investment is necessary. That's interesting, seeing that as an investment. Certainly, I can see what you're talking about in the city of Syracuse, thinking about all the all the different groups of, of different kinds of refugees that have been resettled here. Um, well, let's think about the legislative session. Are there are there things that 
that uh, you anticipate the legislature uh, pushing, taking the lead on that aren't contained in the governor's uh, state of the state? Or I was disappointed that she completely left out our waste reduction efforts, whether it's the bottle bill that I carry that would expand the bottle bill, increase the, the deposit, include a lot more beverages in the bottle bill, uh, the extended producer responsibility. We're, we're seeing a moment when Seneca Meadows landfill is trying to expand in spite of a lot of opposition from people who live in the Finger Lakes, but also people who have trucks just plowing through their communities with uh, with trash from New York City. We've got to put a lot of effort, more effort than we are putting into reducing waste. And I'm sad that she didn't put that in. On the housing front, I have a lot. Of, she She had some proposals, but they all had to do with New York City. And I have a lot of legislation that I am working on and and really hoping to pass that would make it easier to build affordable housing here in in central New York and upstate in general. So uh, those are some areas where we're going to be working really hard. Well, I have to check back in with you as the session winds down to see how you fared in those things. They sound like important initiatives. That was State Senator Rachel May. Senator May, thanks so much again for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you, Grant. We're continuing our consideration of Governor Hochul's State of the State address and then her subsequently proposed budget, also looking toward the upcoming legislative session. We'll now hear from Republican Assemblyman and Minority Leader Will Barkley. He represents the 120th Assembly District. Leader Barkley, welcome back to the program. It's always good to see you again. Well, it's good to be on the program. As always, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to uh, be interviewed by you. Oh, great. Well, well, thanks for making the time. So let me just sort of follow what I did with Senator May in the top half of the program, and we'll work our way through the state of the state and the budget. And let me start with the state of the state. Uh, Governor, it, it, it seemed to most folks who heard this, uh, seemed to pull in her wings a bit in terms of proposed initiatives uh, and the ambition of them, and particularly concerning affordable housing, for instance. Was that your sense of, of where the governor was going this time? And What's your view of that? Yeah, I, I would agree. It was a very staid speech. I don't think there were any kind of revolutionary proposals by the governor. Actually, her state of the state and her budget address were relatively similar. And you may be surprised to hear this, Grant, but I actually was pleased with the message that the governor gave. I think finally, a Democrat in Albany has recognized that we have some serious problems that all New Yorkers are worried about, problems like crime. Uh, problems like affordability, problems like out migration, things that uh, I have been talk, I've been talking about in my conference, has been talking about for years. Uh, I was pleased the governor has recognized that these are serious problems. Uh, I think the question is ultimately, you know, what her solutions are and the recognition of why we got uh, into those problems in the first place. Yeah, I want to come back to a couple of those things. Well, you mentioned crime. Uh, one of the things that I noticed, others noticed, is she did seem to tack a bit to the right on crime and criminal justice. Was there anything in particular there that you liked or that you still have concerns about? Well, uh, yes. Again, I like the recognition that crime is a problem. Uh, certainly the shoplifting or the smash and grab, as I guess is called now, has been a problem. She mentioned how crime rates are down, and that's true, and I'm happy that crime rate's down. But overall, crime's still up, I think, something like 33% since 2019, uh, I don't think it's a mystery of why this is happening. 
we don't hold criminals accountable, unfortunately, anymore. And, you know, the serious crimes that are down, which again is great. I don't, I don't want to deny that that's not good news. Those weren't, those weren't catchless bail eligible crimes in the first place. So when I point to the problems that we have with raising age, with the bail, bail reform or cashless bail, uh, clean slate, uh, you know, these are all the policies that have been put in place over the last several years. As a result of these policies, we see crime rates uh, have increased. So, again, I'm pleased that there's recognition. Uh, I'm pleased that she wants to do something about it. And I'll be a willing partner, and I know our conference will be a willing partner, as long as we're serious about what we're trying to do. And ultimately, I happen to believe that you got to hold uh, criminals accountable. You can't just have a rotating system where people get arrested and put right back out in the street. And unfortunately, that's what these, you know, the past policies have caused. And in order to fix that, we're going to have to pull back on those policies. Mm. Uh, now, let's think about the budget. You mentioned they were very similar, state the state address and the budget. Uh, one of the things the governor said is the state can't keep spending like there's no tomorrow. But at the same time, correct me if I'm wrong, the budget did set another record. So uh, is this, what are we seeing here? I, I'm trying to find the right metaphor for thinking of how to place this. One is, this is the beginning of a course correction. Another one is, we're just letting up on the accelerator pedal, but we're still giving gas to the car. Uh, how, how would we consider this? I think the cliche that I've been using is spending like drunken sailors, but uh, she, didn't, she didn't go that far. But yeah, again, I'm pleased that she's recognized that we can't continue. You know, over the last five years, we've increased uh, spending in New York State by $60 billion. And I had uh, some staff in Albany look at this. And I think that number is something like bigger than two-thirds of all the other states' total budgets. So clearly that was not a sustainable course. Uh, she did lower spending. I think it's now at, what, four. 4.4%, which is a step in the right direction. With inflation, I think, you know, we're getting to the right numbers. We just can't continue to spend like uh, we have over the last few years. So I'm, I'm glad that there's a recognition of that. Mm. And it's, it's part of her budget proposal. Uh, she included $2.5 billion to house and feed new migrants and uh, added, as part of that, a $500 million from the state's uh, fiscal reserves. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Well, it's unfortunate. I don't know what we have this right to shelter. We, we're dealing with the influx of migrants. Um, you know, she mentioned the numbers that I think they're moving something like 10,000 migrants out of uh, shelters a month, but they're increasing by 13,000 are coming in. So it's clearly a losing battle. And I think it just illustrates that unfortunately, New Yorkers have to pay for, um, uh, you know, the Democrats in Washington, particularly the Biden administration's failure to secure our borders. I was happy that she said she was going to go to Washington and advocate for federal money, which I do think the federal government should be responsible for these costs, but also advocate for a more secure border. And I would join her uh, in doing that. And she did try to put some of the blame on the Republicans in Congress, and maybe there's some to go there. I do think immigration reform needs a bipartisan solution. But that being said, uh, the, the administration has control over the southern border, and clearly that's not secure because people are coming in by droves. Uh, Senator May had a somewhat different take on this and, and looked at this in terms of something that you mentioned earlier, which is concerns about the state losing population and sort of saw the migrants as, well, this is one way 
we can do something about this and noted how refugees in the city of Syracuse, for example, have added to both the culture and the economy there. And so she views all this money as uh, as kind of an investment in the future. Uh, is is that is is that a fair way to look I, at I it? Mean, I mean, I find that because uh, I've used tongue in cheek sometimes. I said Governor Abbott's done more to increase New York's population or fix New York's uh, out migration population than any Democrat in Albany. So that's funny that she's spinning on the in the idea that somehow this is a positive. I'm a pro immigration. Republican. I, I do believe in immigration, but I feel very strongly it ought to be legal immigration and not illegal immigration. This is just a failure, again, by the federal government. If we need more people, let's let's have an honest policy debate about letting more people into the country uh, through legal means, uh, not through illegal migration. Hmm. Uh, now, part of the budget also uh, has to do with, as it always does, with uh, school funding. And if I understand this correctly, she's proposing a change in school funding to allow the state to not always keep all towns at the same or more level of aid. And so the school districts that were particularly well-funded may uh, see less aid, uh, and that's in order to sustain the funding for other schools that are needier. Um What's your view of the change in the school aid that's in our budget? I, I have to look at this closer and see, you know, everything's in politics local. So I want to understand how that's going to affect the school districts in my in my area. Uh, unfortunately, many of them are low wealth school districts. So they're the ones that are in desperate need of the aid. Uh, so I, I can't speak directly on how that's going to do it. Although I, again, uh, here I am, I can be complimentary of a Democrat and a governor. I do think uh, she recognizes that we can't continue school aid uh, spending at, and at the rate we've been spending, something like we increased to six or seven billion dollars over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we simply just don't have the means to do that. So the idea that she's looking at ways to make our spending more efficient, that is uh, driving the money where it's most needed. Uh, I, I'm open to that. And I do think, unfortunately, we just can't continue to increase spending the way we've been doing. So. What is the legislature going to do with all this, and what might it also do on its own? Are there things that you would anticipate this year in the upcoming session that the legislature would be pushing and taking the lead on where the governor didn't really say anything or did not push for things? Well, first of all, I think let's just go back to criminal justice and and, uh, crime and what she's proposed. I think she's going to have trouble getting any of that through the legislature. Unfortunately, my colleagues don't want to recognize that this is an issue and they don't want to recognize the fact that some of the uh, proposals, the ones I mentioned before, that they passed are contributing factors to this. So to pull back on any of those or just increase penalties, you know, something that we haven't looked at, you know, say for uh, people that have uh, shop with multiple times. You can aggregate those crimes so they can be charged with more serious uh, penalties. Uh, they haven't shown any willingness to even address that. So I think that's going to be very challenging. In order to get that done, uh, she's going to have to spend a lot of political capital. I've seen, unfortunately, in Albany what happens. Sometimes money is used as that political capital. So if we can get some sort of reform on crime, uh, maybe she's going to have to spend more at schools and that's really where we got into some of these predicaments. We, we've never had any kind of real, you know, uh, 
uh, slowing down on our spending. And this will get a little bit off on the spending too, Grant, because you kind of indicated, well, we're still spending a lot of money. We are. It's 200, I think our proposal is $233 billion, which is is massive. But I've always said, people often ask me, well, what would you cut? And I, we don't have to necessarily cut anything. Really, we have to slow the rate of growth of our spending. And we just got to get back down to more realistic terms. I mean, the last two years, we're at 10% or 8%, and that's well beyond inflation, well beyond our means to be able to spend. So anyways, who knows? I, that always happens. The governor usually comes in a bit lower than what the legislature, and then through negotiations, you'll see increases in spending, and maybe there'll be some trade-off on policy. Um, one thing the um, Assembly and Senate have been, majorities have been against is putting any policy in the budget, which I can normally agree with, but Generally, the policy the governor wants to put in the budget is something that I can support, and she can't get it through otherwise on standalone because of the Democratic majorities in both houses. Yeah, the budget does act as kind of Christmas tree or however, right. whatever metaphor we want for a lot of different things. We've we've only got about a couple of minutes left. I want to squeeze in a couple more questions if I can. But uh, is your caucus in particular... I, I get a sense of the kinds of things that your caucus is going to be pushing back against and wants to make sure that are taken seriously regarding budget, crime, uh, and so on. Uh, but is there anything kind of new initiative that your caucus will be trying to push as an idea to get the legislature to take up? We'll think about it. We'll talk about any new ideas. But usually, you know, I think going back to the three biggest issues that are concerning New Yorkers is out-migration, affordability, and crime. And I think there's things that we can do on affordability uh, that will continue to push. You know, some are relatively obvious, like lowering taxes. But we've implemented, let's take uh, climate change policy in New York. You know, that is costing us billions of dollars. And the cost benefit of that spending has not been demonstrated by anybody. So we're going to just keep raising those types of issues to show, you know, why are we doing this? Is this a good way to spend our money? and uh, try to point out where we think it's being wasteful and leading to the unaffordability that we have, unfortunately, in New York State. Well, you've left me with just enough time to squeeze in one question about national politics. So I'm going to do that. Um, you and I are talking uh, uh, before the New Hampshire primaries, after the Iowa caucuses, for the Republican Party at least. Uh, where do you see this at this point? Uh, is is the Trump tide unstoppable? Uh, does Nikki Haley have a chance? Uh, what's your sense of the terrain right now? Well, it certainly looks like uh, Trump's going to win it, uh, though I see the numbers in New Hampshire. He's ahead by you know, a much smaller margin than he was in Iowa. Um, I think whoever is going to be the Republican nominee, I think there's rich, uh, fertile ground for victories for uh, whether it's Nikki Haley or whether it's Trump or anyone else, uh, because the president of for, unfortunately for him, is so uh, deeply unpopular. Uh, so, you know, I, I'll support whoever the Republican nominee is, and uh, looks like it's going to be Trump at this time. I, I think it's probably, you know, I don't think, long well, short, it looks like Trump's going to win. You know, maybe if Iowa turned out a little differently, someone could say that maybe another candidate has a chance, but, you know, all the bullying or whatever showed ultimately that victory margin, I suspect it's going to be the same in New Hampshire. We'll have to leave it there. That was Assembly Minority Leader Will Barkley. Leader Barkley, as always, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to the Campbell Conversations on WRVO Public Media, conversations in the public interest.
The Campbell Conversations, Conversations in the Public Interest, is hosted and produced by Grant Reher, engineered by Tom Fazio. Assistant producer is Jacqueline Witwicky, and the program is edited by Mark Lefonia. The Campbell Conversations is a joint production of the Campbell Public Affairs Institute at Syracuse University and WRVO Public Media. To learn more about the program and hear previous interviews, visit wrvo.org slash Campbell Conversations.